0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of One Vision. We are in for a very, very rare treat today. At least I want to speak for myself because we have with us someone who is very low-key, an industry veteran, and one whom I've had the pleasure to know only online and have yet to meet face-to-face. But we are going to make a deal to meet face-to-face this year because we're both celebrating our 50. Yay! And welcome to the show, Tammy. Thank you
1: so much, Leo. It's so great to be here. I'm thrilled to be a part of your podcast.
0: Oh, the time
1: awesome. <laughs> yes, and those who are
0: listening, you have no idea how many times I have said, Tammy, please come on the show. Tammy, please come on the show. Tammy, please talk to us. Tammy, please talk to us. Anyway, so I am so happy you're here. Now, I normally start the show off asking, how did you end up in banking? But taking a step back for those who know you and for those of you who don't please go to linkedin and check out tammy bank's linkedin profile you would have known that she has actually been in banking her entire career
1: so tell us a little bit about how you started i think there was like
0: some really cool story behind it
1: yeah you know my first full-time job uh after i graduated high school was in a bank in a thrift uh downtown denver uh i worked at bank western this is obviously no longer in existence. We got acquired while I was, while I was there actually. Um, but yeah, it was one truly just a wonderful learning experience. Um, first of all, I'll, I'll date myself here a little bit by saying that, you know, uh, I hand calculated payoffs for loans, uh, off of a trial balance that was on bar paper. Like, so it was like this thick, um, there were four, uh, terminals computer terminals on the entire floor, you know, for maybe 100 employees. Um, So that's how back in the day this was, right? But one of the other really cool things about um, that first experience in banking was they had a training program where you really did like sort of a week in all the different areas at the bank. Um, So I got to do, you know, uh, like, workplace insurance for a week and I got to do proof for a week and I got to do teller for a week and I got to do treve for a week and I went to collections for a week and that was I didn't even last an entire week in collections because I was so 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 bad about it like it was the it was the only one I really sort of failed at <laughs> and they were like Tammy um we're gonna go ahead and move you on to the next <laughs> like three days in because I just couldn't take it and I thought everybody's grandma was dying like it was like this another person's grandma died what's happening, but I was like 16 so why do you what are you going to expect right not exactly a season collection professional, but it was a great, uh, it was a great uh, opportunity for me I understood, you know how impactful writing a ticket correctly is because I ran proof for a while and did uh, corrections right. Um, so, yeah, these are the things that you don't know if you only do one single job in a bank and you don't actually see how the operations department has to fix all the things later if they're not done correctly. So I loved it. That is that is that that is
0: actually probably one of the most hilarious um, story I've heard. Um, holy cow. So tell me, where are you at now?
1: I live in Parker, Colorado, just south of the Denver metro area. I'm a Denver native. Um, I I did live and work in Missouri. I went to school in Missouri. Um, and then I worked in Missouri for a long time. And that's how I got my first uh, fintech job. I worked at one of the big three cores for almost 18 years um, and did just a bunch of different jobs for them. I installed their software, got to travel all over the country. Um, Then I was a relationship manager and then for about the last 10 years I sold for them so that's really they I jokingly say all the time they raised me so they really formed so many of the habits I have now in my life in my life but also in my professional life like I'm always early to meetings you know I I always try to come prepared all the things that you know you you learn when you're going to be successful in sales or really any any profession right. Um, I feel like I can, I can tie those directly back to that work experience and how formative it was.
0: It's fascinating. So tell us a little bit, um, since, wow, I'm trying to calculate how many years you've been in the banking industry in
1: different roles um 16 so we're coming up on and i have one year that i didn't work in a bank right so i worked at least part-time in a bank or fintech for what 33 years 34 30 yeah coming up on 34 years yeah Yeah.
0: first job was also 96 so i can totally relate the world has changed (laughs) the industry has changed fintech didn't exist at the time when you started um, fintech has been with us for a while what has surprised you the most because the industry has gone through quite a few evolution if you will anything uh-huh. that you know looking back let's say looking back at, at the last 20 some years is there like one thing that you said oh wait wait a minute no really wow
1: that was that was surprising i didn't expect that so when i left well when i was at the last bank i worked at before i went to work for the core that i worked for um you had to apply to get a debit card you have to be underwritten to get a debit card uh, you had to apply for digital banking because we had just i mean it was a baby like it, we had just rolled it out the bankers were going to use it you know it was very 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 new um so you know i would say that the the evolution of that is still when i think back about you know how different life was before we carried our computers with us in our pockets. Um, You know, it, it still is kind of surprising, but also just so like what it makes me think is in another 10 or 15 years, what's what huge transformation is on the cusp of happening. And that's, and that's to me is like the exciting part of FinTech, right? Where we don't even know yet what the next thing is.
0: I think it's still changing and and you're absolutely right. Um, We do carry a lot of, Computational power in our pockets, but yet a large part of our lives is still analog. We still write checks, for yes. example, right? Um, it it it's it it's dumbfounding. I think is U.S. one of the very very few countries that still love checks. <laughs> I lost track
1: of it. And the amount of fraud that still happens in check. Czech- uh, form is is another thing that makes you go, well, why, why are we still using these, right? Like if businesses experience so much of their fraud through this channel, why not, why not just stop using checks, right? I don't, I don't understand. I experienced it personally last year. I paid, uh, a repairman with a check, uh, because he didn't have a, a swipe thing for my card and somebody washed the check and, um, reissued it with another, Is two zeros on the end, but thankfully it was so, it was so much then that it was like not about to clear my account. So yeah. Yeah. It, it got returned. And I called the bank. And I'm like, what is, what is this? And I'm like, and the lady on the bank, I have to say, I give props to this lady. She figured it out like that. She, she like within two, three minutes, she knew exactly what had happened. Uh, emailed me an image of the check that they tried to pass. I mean, it was nuts. So wow. yeah. That's literally what I was
0: just reading the other day, too, is the prevalence of of track washing and how it's going to continue peaking because part of it, um, because of, we're still using checks and the other part of it is because of digital. Um, uh, there are frosters who are online now trading secrets and tips on how to wash the check. Um, then there are tiktok videos Zs talking about how to budget using cash envelopes it's it's like i feel like we're going in a merry-go-round um what's old is new and let's try some of the things that we have been doing for the last i don't know how many years and it's a hip thing i do have to say that i think in part i do agree with the cash parts because it's impulsive spending if you have you know Credit card, um, you can just spend it, and the next True. thing you're like, "Oh my goodness, wait a minute, what did I do?" Um, but are we going around in circles, or what roles are some technology playing in in this big puzzle? Because now you know we have big techs, and big techs have played different roles. We now have fintechs who have done some interesting stuff. Arguably, there's more they should be doing. There's more we can be doing. Um, and then there's emerging technology, there's the AI, there is um, yeah. digital
1: assets. What is happening? Tammy, can you break it down for us? Oh, man, I would just say that everything is cyclical. That's one of the things I've absolutely noticed in this industry that like things, trends come back around, right? Like so um, outsourcing versus uh, keeping things in-house. Um, the trend of a best and sweeter, best in breed, Right. Um, all of those things uh, continue to go around, like maybe, you know, 10, 12 years, we'll be right back where we were 10 or 12 years ago, right? I mean, it just happens. And, you know, there are nuances to that because of because of fintech and technology evolution. Um, but, yeah, I, I I completely see us kind of recreating issues that we had long ago by kind of repeating missteps, Right. Um, I, I will say, though, that, you know, when I think about the word fintech, I, I kind of chuckle a little bit because like what isn't a fintech now? Right. Like Starbucks is a fintech. Right. How much money do I have at Starbucks? How much money do I spend at Starbucks? How many transactions do they facilitate for me? Um, so, so you know, maybe the way we think of that is a little bit r- wrong um, because we're trying to make it this narrow thing. But really, it's this huge. It's all, it's all encompassing for the economy. Right. The way we do our lives is is so much FinTech, right? What do you
0: think about that? I, it, it, I, I I keep nodding because it is so true. The one thing I do not like is I don't like labels. I don't like people putting labels on how people are supposed to behave and make assumptions such as, well, Gen Z is supposed to do this and older adults are not supposed to use tech. And you know, well, forget about Gen X, who's Gen X? We never talk right? about Gen We don't count. <laughs> we don't count. We forget um, about us. <laughs> But right, like, you know, there are a lot of generic characterization of what each generation is supposed to do. There is generic character of what different personas are supposed to do. But at the end of the day, I think we forget that we use technology, not because technology is there. We use technology because it helps us do something. I don't really care what we call it is if I have an app that can help me get a car, that's wonderful. Yeah, in the background, it helped me facilitate payments and all of that. So is Uber a fintech? Well, it does have a lot of money in there, right? Um, And your example, Starbucks, um, the store cart is another great example. We have so much money in there. And so I think you're absolutely right. Instead of trying to to box each one of these into this is A, this is B, and this is how it's supposed to be, let's take a step back and look at how does all of these pieces play into the life cycle of people, of businesses? What do they need? What gaps do we still need to fill? And who can be in there? I don't really care if they're a big tech or fintech or a bank, or a
1: community this bank. This is one of the things that we haven't done well and we continue not to do well is, is help the underbanked, underbanked with fintech, right? I'm so passionate about that. I still feel like... We have such a gap there, right, where we're not doing enough for people who don't have access to traditional banking channels because of whatever reason, right? Uh, You know, I think we don't even know because people aren't, you know, but, but everybody has a phone. We should be doing more to be able to facilitate banking services for people who aren't comfortable coming into a bank.
0: I I agree. And that, that worries me too, because we also tend to categorize people who are unbanked as certain groups of people. And it's not always right. And we forget the nuance behind why people do what they do. And we also forgot that it needs to be a more holistic solution. We need to consider many different facets of who are they? What do they need? Why are they coming in? What are they not using? What is working? What's not working? It's not always, it's not like one solution fits all. It's not always one ring to roll it out. Okay, right. Lord of the Rings. Um, but you, you it, it's, yeah, I think we forget the detail because we just brush over things. Um, I, 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 ju- I do hope we can slow down. I think, if anything, is we can slow down a little bit and think about. What are we doing exactly? What are we trying to do?
1: Yeah, I, I think you are exactly right there in the in in the tendency to sort of blame people for being unbanked, or rather than go, I'm not meeting their need with my product set. That's really what the problem is, rather than trying to be like, well, I'm going to jam this square peg in this round hole. You know, we're not we're not thinking creatively enough to meet that need in the marketplace, in in my opinion. So we've got some growth to, to do there, in my opinion. We have work to do. And by the way, please stop blaming people for
0: not being financially literate. I think that's really not a nice term to use for the most part, because yeah. you know, I, I would say people who are stressed
1: for many, for example,
0: they actually are brilliant because they know how to make it work with very little yeah. that they have.
1: you are rubbing two dimes together to get a quarter and they are those people are working... Uh, I come from those people, right? Like my family is, you know, not, not my dad was a teamster. My mom was a homemaker, right? So these are people who just, uh, you know, were very, um, you know, lower middle class, working class, if you will, right? So not, um, not calling someone literate. Uh, It is pretty awful way to say that. And they are doing things that, many of us and myself included cannot even imagine right uh the the ability to run a house with four kids um and, and two adults uh on on the amount of money that my dad brought home it's it's shocking to me i say i think about it on a regular basis right i know things were less expensive but man it was like orchestrating a symphony right like my mom knew exactly how much uh, you know, she needed to get to the grocery store and did not get any extra, right? Like, I mean, she just had a science to it. You know, she was running that um like she's a CFO of a fortune by hundred. She knew exactly what you get. you know? I know.
0: i I agree with you. and I, I use my mom's story a lot too, because my mom came from a family of six children, and my grandpa was the only one that was working. They had to share half an apartment, half, not even one full, half an apartment with people, six children, two adults. And no, they are not poor because they were financially illiterate. I think that's an offensive word to use. We forget people have circumstances. We forget families have circumstances. And you know, instead of, like you say, blaming people for where they are, let's figure out how we can use the wonderful technology and resources that we have at our disposal and do more and do better and be better humans. Um, Speaking of do more, you posted something recently and you asked the question, which I thought was really curious. You say, what if you could own your own destiny from a technology perspective and no longer have to wait on your core, can I replace that with overlord? To innovate or You can actually. <laughs> to innovate or approve a FinTech partnership.
1: Tell me what 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 were you trying to get to? What do you mean by that? So, coming from community banking, um, in our space, there are basically you know three or four big companies that direct and really um, con- control uh, what technology is available in community bank banks and credit unions, right? So. If you happen to be with one of those companies that is, you know, they're all all really slow, right? And and because they're just big, right? It's like moving a freight train. And I always use this analogy when I'm talking about course, having been at one for a long time. Um, You know, think about how you might change the trajectory of a freight train. Like you would have to do it a millimeter at a time, right? Because... Uh, You know, it is, it's a a real process to move something that large, right, on a, on a scale that would be impactful and it's going to take a long, long time. Um, And and that's really what community banks uh, and credit unions, frankly, are are incredibly frustrated by waiting on their core to provide them with connectivity and ability to connect um, to fintechs, right? So if they want to do... Uh, you know, literally anything that is not owned by their core, uh, they sort of have had to traditionally um, get kind of a bespoke integration or interface written between the third party that they want to use and the core, right? And both of those guys are going to charge for that. And every year when there's a release, they're going to have to repay for it, right? Like, it's just it's just a cycle that is is really unhealthy and not sustainable on on the long term for the bank right because they're just paying so much more for the for for technology that that really is all about the data they already pay the core for right so they're sort of kind of paying twice for it uh now you will hear cores talk all the time in recent times about open banking right so they're all talking about open banking it's the buzzword of the moment for community banks Um, and the fact is that for most of them it's kind of baloney and cheese right like they're not really doing open banking uh and they're doing it in a way that is super costly for the community banks right i mean they're paying through the nose for this i just this last week have talked to bankers that have gotten quotes of hundreds of thousands of dollars you know to integrate a a third-party digital banking stack right like so crazy amounts of, of money um, and, and the thing about that is that, you know, we can do this better. Like there are other ways to do this that other, uh, industries have, have implemented, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago, um, that are using API connectivity to essentially allow sort of a hub for any of those third parties to then connect with the course. And that's what my company does. We do that. And, uh, I feel like for a certain segment of community banks, this is sort of the answer they've been looking for, right? Um, They have been, I hate to say held hostage, but it sort of feels like that, right? Like they just don't have any flex, right? They have no ability to uh, get out of the absolute burden that is their core contract, right? They have so many products and dependencies that are related to that. Um, maybe they signed a ten-year agreement three years ago when it seemed like a good idea, and they got a good discount. But now they want to, you know, use something else because they realized during COVID that their digital banking product was terrible, right? Um, or they don't—they still don't offer online account opening. You would not believe, Theo, you know, how many times I talk to a community bank and they're like, "Oh yeah, we've never had it. We, we're just now thinking about it." I just talked to one in the last two weeks that said, well, we're opening a new branch, like a new physical branch. and They're going to they're gonna launch this with the new physical branch. And I was like, that's a really interesting strategy, right? Because I mean, like that doesn't really make a lot of sense, but OK, you know, I, I think you need this. So it's good. Um, but but like community banks have been so behind because and I do blame this on on the course, you know, some are some are a lot nicer than others, um, you know, and like I said, they raised me. So the one that I came from is I, I still own stock. I love them. Uh, and, and, and frankly, you know, I'm maybe a little biased, but I do think, you know, their their customers are not are not like the unhappiest customers. Right. Everybody has a beef with their core to some degree, but like there are some of them that are like. Oh my god. Like we can't do anything. They, you know, they they just aren't getting what they need from them. So this at least gives them a degree of autonomy where they can get the information out and utilize and plug in things that they that they really need to be able to service their clients.
0: As you were describing that, I pictured Mandalorian um saying this is the way i think that's what i'm going to title this show <laughs> this is the way because it's a way out um looking towards the future this is actually super fun i want to keep continuing this, but looking forward to the future what are some of the big trends that we should be on the lookout for i know you have a crystal ball Tammy. um
1: and i, want I to actually do have one in
0: my room yeah <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: i see smoke coming out that's right um, I'll tell you straight up, I think that people are moving away from their cores for uh, additional technology. And I see a huge, uh, the cores are so far behind, right, with the ancillary products and services. Um, that's why we see so much talent leaving the cores. And I hate to say that, but it's true, man. Like, the, you know, yes, are the, are there a lot of layoffs? There are a lot of layoffs in the industry, but also a lot of really visionary, talented people moving away and saying, you know what, I'm gonna go work for the startup over here because they are delivering something different and exciting. And I wanna work in that space. And I don't want to just, I-, I gotta tell you, if I had not left the core that I was at when I did, um, I wouldn't know you. I wouldn't have any, I wouldn't have ever met you or crossed your path because it's such a like insulated weird thing. I was just talking to a friend of mine who is still at that place um, just recently about this, right? Like you don't realize how much great stuff is out there if all you do is stay in the encampment, right? <laughs> if you stay, if you stay on the ranch, you're never going to see what's outside the ranch, right? And there's, you know, some people really like to stay on the ranch and they don't want to leave, you know, and, and that's okay. You know, I'm not saying that there, there's anything wrong with that, but, but you don't get to see what's outside the ranch if you only stay on the ranch. And, and that's true from technology. Like if you're the customer, of the ranch, and that's true if you work for the ranch, right? Um, I would never have known you. I would never have known Barb or, um, I, I mean, just anybody, right? Like, I didn't have occasion to meet those people because I only knew other people that work for the Corps or our customers, and that was it, right? And so it's very insulated and a little bit weird that way, um, and this this is where banks are moving. They're They're tired of waiting, and they're tired of waiting for second-rate stuff. So they're moving in a direction that is going to give them more autonomy and they're going to rely on core. And you would not believe how frequently this this exact phrase comes up. I want the core to do what the core does, right? Like I want it to balance. I want it to hold my CIFs or whatever you call them, your customer record. I want it to be my system of record. And that is all I want from them, right? I want everything else where I can get the best technology for my bankers. And the best technology for my customers the best ux the best ui the best experience um, of banking right and this happens over and over and over in my conversations that they're no longer satisfied with sort of the second rate technology that they've been getting um, and they're no longer satisfied with just waiting indefinitely so i see a huge trend in that in that direction where the cores are either going to have to really I don't see it. I don't see it possibly happening with the big three. Right. Like there's not a possibility of this suddenly transforming into this, um, you know, tech stack that that doesn't exist today. Right.
0: Wow. Time for them to change if they can Should they take up the challenge? Um, I I totally resonate with the point about staying on the ranch, and I would extend that further for those who are interested to see where the industry is heading. Look outside the U.S. Yes, you're so right. (laughs) Look outside the U.S. Um, There's a lot of fascinating things happening in South America, in Africa, in Asia. And I cannot stress this enough because I remember looking started when I started looking at Asia, this was about five years ago. That was when, you know, they had all the super apps to QR code and all of that. And I'm like, "Wow, this is pretty cool. You came back to the states, and I'm writing checks. I actually so just wrote a check last week. Um we're paying everything with credit card. And when Apple Pay came about, everyone was like, "Wow, this is this is cool, but why do we need that?" And you're still standing behind people paying with checks and cash. Meanwhile, the rest of the world has moved on. Kira yeah, interesting, but this was like five years ago. Let's do something else. Let's let's look at what else we can do to bring communities together. Let's look at what else we can do to make it easier for creators to make a living. Let's look at what else we can do to facilitate cross-border payment. Because I know how hard it is. Um, oh, I guess, yeah. Hey clients in europe and it's painful and it's expensive the rest of the world has moved on so i think it's it's time for us to look outside our box and see what else other people are doing because it's a really
1: interesting world out there yeah the payments uh rails everywhere else right everywhere else (laughs) Yeah. And the reg, the reg in Europe is so, so strong. I, I feel like they lead us uh, on on that and they have so much more, I guess, consumer protection and just like a, b- better AML standards. I mean, that's really where I've lived for the last while. And I love looking at that because I feel like they are really doing things that are impactful. And then in, you know, three or four or five years, we'll adopt it over here and we'll, and we'll you know, and then they'll have- Moved on to the next thing. But the, those are two that I absolutely agree with, like, on, you know, we're we're lagging so far behind in payments. It's not even funny. Um, the cost for uh, trans-border payments and then the, the time, right? Like, does it take you forever to get paid? It's insane. Five days. It's insane. Five days. That's, that is unacceptable. That's unacceptable.
0: Yeah, and, and it has repercussions too, right, because everything slows down and – we talk about the U.S., 99% of businesses are small business, and we talk about small business being the backbone of the community, of the economy. Well, we need to give them the tools so they can actually be the backbone of the economy and keep it running. We need to we need to fund a lot of these infrastructure, just like a f- physical yeah. infrastructure, <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> payment your- rails and everything else. Yeah.
1: Yes, well, and even like when – during COVID, you know, how we how we really found out how few people have access to reliable um, right. internet, phones, mm-hmm. right? Like a privilege that we don't even think about. Um, you know, it's like a, as reliable as electricity, you know, for us. Um, but there are so many people that don't have it, right? And, and what happens to people that don't have that? You know, how are they able to transact business and do do the regular things that we expect them to be able to do, right? I that. Like that. Yeah, it's a utility. It should be a utility.
0: It is. It is. It should be. It should be a basic human right. Um, you know, and it should be something that should be available, just like food, shelter, and water. Um, yes. Internet connectivity, reliable, affordable internet connectivity, should also be part of it because, otherwise, it's going to be really hard for us to close the financial inclusion gap.
1: Oh yeah, impossible, impossible. Because what well, all we're doing is putting people further behind, right? Like we are, we're pushing the people that are at the back of the line even further back in the line. We're we're telling them, nope, nope, can't get a line yet. You're gonna have to hold off. And, and it's crazy. There's no way to f- to fix it or address it unless we we make sure that that's in the formula. That's critical.
0: Let's hope that we continue to move that forward. Then and thank you so much for joining us today, Tammy. It's been wonderful let's make this longer next time and let's make this in person next time i would love to
1: see you finally one of these days love it i would absolutely (laughs) love it and i just feel like i feel like we know each other even though it's only been virtual so
0: i know i know and we need to celebrate our big birthday together this year
1: so let's make that happen uh
0: and for the rest of our listeners thank you so much for joining us for another episode of one vision this week we will talk to you all next week